Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am 2021 Springfield College co-rec intramural softball champion and your host Christiana over there on my actual left is 2021 Springfield College co-rec intramural softball champion Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing amazing. It was a crazy night last night. <laughs> As you mentioned, we are co-champions. We are, we are champions. Yes. We basically won the World Series mm-hmm. in between recordings. Yeah, we did. Um, after a long playoff journey of, of two games, <laughs> we, uh, we, we made it through, you know? We did. Uh, Chris played a hell of an outfield in those two games in the yeah. playoffs. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I did not. Uh, I did not make an error out there. No, we don't. We don't need to talk about how many fielding opportunities you got. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just you know, error. It's old school, but you know, yeah. you can't. You can't make errors. You know. Exactly. It doesn't matter what your fielding percentage is. You just don't want to be out there making errors. Yeah. Uh, yep. Chris. Chris did hit cleanup for our team, and he hit. He hit a monster home run in the penultimate game. Yeah. And then he, uh, we we played in the we played in the rain. In our championship game, yeah, 1925 game seven vibes. Literally, literally, we were talking about this. We were like, "Man, this is how Walter Johnson must have felt <laughs> when he was out there in what was it, Pittsburgh?" Uh, yeah, yeah, in Pittsburgh. I mean, and we, I mean, just like, I mean, we get, we were on the good side of it, though. Yeah, we we were, you know, we uh, we faced a team that had beat us uh, 23 to eight previously, mm-hmm. but uh, we beat them 19 to 15. On the back of some uh, good uh, plate discipline, I guess you would say. <laughs> we let off an inning with seven straight walks. Yep. Uh, so that's that's how that went. That's how we scored a bunch of runs. <laughs> it was and, very cheap. Yeah. We also we also intentionally walked some of the best hitters on the other team as well. <laughs> yep. Because you know, analytically, you got to be thinking. Analytically, a walk is actually a win in slow pitch softball. Yeah, I mean, like you know, the average. You know, your average cleanup hitter in in real softball probably has, you know, like a 1,500 OPS about, you know. Maybe even higher. And and let's also mention slow pitch softball. So this is pretty big stuff. It's also a field with no fence. So there's no home runs unless you hit it over everyone's heads and you're fast enough. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, we we kicked in the strategy and, um, you know, we, we came out on top. They always say play smarter, not harder. Exactly. That's exactly. what we did. We we took the money ball route of winning, and it worked. We did, and uh, we have a, a T-shirt to show for it. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's been a <laughs> been a been a great great night of celebration, and uh, now it's time to talk. Now we just get some, right back into it. Yeah. Like no days off. Like, we win last night. We're out here talking about baseball the next morning. Yeah. Or afternoon rather. Yeah, morning for me, you know. <laughs> I, had, I had class about two and a half hours ago, so I've been up. Yep, yep. 
So, yeah, uh, we're talking uh, we're talking baseball over here, and uh, I mean not not many headlines to go over. No one doing particularly good or bad in the past I mean, week. The Giants uh, are good. Giants are good. Dodgers are slipping a little bit. The Brewers I, are good. I was gonna put in the you know Dodgers struggles as a subject, but then they go on and win yesterday. To so be fair, I mean, did you see who they faced? They faced was was Alec, it a guy Alec Bettinger from the Brewers came up from Double A, made his major league debut, uh, and gave up nine runs in his first three innings, and then even more later in the game. It was the replacement for Corbin Burns, which mm-hmm. is pretty sad. Yeah. The Cubs lost in a game where they scored 12 runs for the first time since 2006. Oh, yeah, that's that's right. I mean, uh, I didn't catch any of that game, but it looked like a, looked like a blast. It was. Um, one thing I was very upset about in the Dodgers game, the Brewers had not st- struck out a single Dodger hitter in the eighth inning, and I was like, oh, my God. I was, like, sitting on it where it was like, this would be, I think it was, like, the first time since, like, easily pre-integration that the Dodgers had, like, scored 16 runs in a game without a strikeout. And then three batters struck out in the last two innings. I was like, thanks, guys. You ruined it. Man. Like, I can't even do, like, a... Like, I actually checked it. The last time they scored 16 runs with one strikeout was exactly 1947. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I was sitting on it. Like, first time since 1947. Now they struck out two times in the ninth inning. It basically ruined it. And it was the first time since, like, 2008 or something like that. Like, who yeah. cares? You'd think the Brewers would be throwing out a position player at that at that point. I know. But, but they did. Especially apparently. with Cor. I mean, to be fair, uh, they made Bettinger go four innings to give up 11 hits, 11 runs, two walks, and no strikeouts. Boy, yeah. Two grand slams allowed. The Brewers just, just let him have it. <laughs> yeah. Just eat up innings for us, uh, Bettinger. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, Dodgers have been... Slipping a little bit, you know. They, you know, salvaged uh, a non-sweep last night. Gentleman sweep. A gentleman sweep. Brewers took three out of four. They're looking pretty good right now. Um, I think they still have a one-game lead in the division, though, because the Cardinals swept the Pirates in four. Yeah, they do. Naturally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, looks like uh, looks like those teams are are particularly heating up, but. I mean, there's really not that much uh, to talk about in terms of, you know, standings or, or surprises. It looks somewhat similar. I mean, I guess yeah. the Red Sox dropped three out of four. The NL East is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, crazy uh, Phillies-Mets series. I, I didn't really catch any of it, but I heard a ton of... You caught some of it. Yeah, I caught some of it. You caught, like, the first two innings until, of it on Friday. Uh, until Robbie Ray took the mound for the yeah. Blue Jays. Yep. Then we had to... To switch that, but but yeah, um, I mean, last night was crazy with the Reese Hoskins situation. That was nuts. For those for those unaware, it was eight to five. There were two men on, two men out. I believe for uh, Reese Hoskins. Hoskins hit hits what appears to be a home run, but it's under review. It's off the railing, which is in play. So. Uh, you know, it turned out to be a double, and then the Phillies eventually lost. And it was originally called a home run, which is why it was a mm-hmm. big disappointment for the Phillies. So I was ready to see that game go on. Yeah, I mean... I, uh, was, very, I was kind of upset, but oh well. But yeah, yeah, the NL East looks, you know, very the, interesting. The Marlins are in last place, two and a half games behind the division-leading Nationals and Mets. 
score exactly 500. <laughs> yeah, there's no one above 500 in the division. This is like supposed to be one of the most competitive divisions. Like there's three or four really good teams that have a legit chance. Not everyone's 500 at best. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, it depends how you define competitive. They're yeah, well, it, it is competitive, but we were looking like... Yeah. We've got 90 win teams in here. We made a, we might have 100 win teams in here. Yeah. Like, this division is going to be, like, the Monstars. Yeah, they're... Uh, competing against each other. Yeah, like, uh... <laughs> yeah, they're just... They're competitive. They're all within two and a half games of each other. Exactly. Uh, you know, 30 games-ish into the season. So, yeah, it's... Uh, Pretty pretty interesting, it, and you really don't know the direction it's going in. You know, you would you're we're still waiting on the Braves to get hot. You know, they, they've lost four in a row. Yeah, so you know, I don't I don't know the exact issue there. It might be a there are pitching problems because Max Fried has been on the IL. Mike Soroka is still not really back yet, so they're really relying on uh, Ian Anderson and uh, some of those. Uh, surrounding and Charlie Morton and some of the you know surrounding crew. Yeah, they got swept by the Blue Jays in Deundin this weekend. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the the happenings of baseball. But I think that what's been a pretty big talking point for the past couple weeks has been you know the offensive numbers and you know we've we talked about it you know how it kind of surfaced the headlines that. Baseball was going to try to, you know, deaden the baseball from 20, you know, from, you know, 2019 was the peak juice ball year. And, it, you know, anyone who was watching could kind of pretty clearly see that. And uh, they're tr- going to try to deaden the baseballs in 2021. Um, but then also they're proposing uh, to the Atlantic League, or they're having the Atlantic League, which is an independent league, uh, push back the mound one foot to you know see see what that does for the offense so uh you know offense you know I, th- I think they put it out on mlb network you know like the you know lowest average since this year lowest since 1968 yeah lowest yeah lowest and this is also april average so you can't really say like oh this is you know a small sample size and it's like you know like bad weather like the ball's not going to go as far when it's colder yeah no it's it hasn't. It hasn't been this bad. Whoops. <clears throat> hasn't been this bad in April in terms of average since 1968, and hasn't been this bad in terms of OPS in April since 1992. And you know, 92 is like kind of before um, you know steroids came into the game. Then offense kind of shot up. But yeah, what are what are our thoughts on this? Um, I just want to say, I just want to get this out of the way. The people that talk about launch angle is the reason for all this. You can leave. You're <laughs> yeah. not, you're not correct. Launch angle is like kind of just thrown at the wall as like, it's like the redheaded stepchild essentially. Like it's, it's to blame for everything. It's like the face of, of new age analytics. It's like, oh, they're looking at the launch angle. They want to hit home runs. Yeah, they are looking to hit home runs, but launch angle has nothing to do with the fact that pitchers are nastier than ever now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like home runs are actually down too. Yeah, this year specifically. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, which that could probably be because of a dead in baseball. But I mean, like the the league is doing essentially everything to help pitchers out in this game. Like they're deadening the baseball. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're literally. I mean, they're enhancing. Like I don't know. They're doing a lot of stuff to help the pitchers out. 
Yeah, launch angle is such a broad term used yeah. nowadays. Like, if you're trying to hit line drives, that also requires a, a certain launch angle. Yeah, every single batted ball has a launch angle, even yeah. in like even in the '60s and '70s and '80s when there was little offense. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. was launch angle then, even, and pro- people were probably talking about launch angle then, but in a different sense. Yeah, and like when you try to when you say you're trying to get on top of the baseball, like. That's a change in launch angle than if you're get, trying to get below it or in the middle. Exactly. Yeah. Like people have been talking about launch angle for years. They just haven't been using the word launch angle. That's right. what's getting people fired up. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, when, when Cap Anson was having a league leading two home runs, he was, <laughs> or he was uh, you know, he was using launch angle. Exactly. Uh, that entire season. Yeah. Uh, who could forget? Um, but yeah, like, and... It's weird that hitting analytics kind of get blamed because I feel like pitching analytics in the past yeah, ten years—that's that's the thing. Like have spin rate, so much. I think spin than rate hitting. has been doing what people think launch angle has been doing. The emphasis on that. Exactly, and you know, it we 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 pretty much agree on uh, on all this. But I mean, the it's not just the individual pitchers; it's the fact that you know, it's it's the fact that. Each roster has seven or eight different guys that strike out about 30% of the batters that they face. You know, so they have seven or eight guys that are throwing 97 plus. You know, if you're throwing 95, you're kind of, you know, par for the course at this point. Uh, You know, also, yeah, spin rate plays a big factor. Um, You know, pitching development in the minor leagues kind of plays a big factor. They have guys doing, you know, plyometric, uh, these, you know, plyometric balls, you know uh, the you know the driveline baseball sort of stuff. You know they have they're also having guys you know modernize the way they train their bodies. You know training training to have stronger legs as opposed to ignoring like the weight room or, or whatever. But you know that's a that's a conversation to be had. But yeah, I I feel like pitching analytics have advanced further than hitting analytics in the past you know ten years or whatever. And you know, like, people talk about strikeouts being up as well, and that's kind of just because, like, I mean, first of all, front offices have kind of accepted that home runs are the most efficient way to score runs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the with the modernization of pitchers comes the modernization of power hitting as well. Yeah. Like, you have, you know, you mentioned you have seven to eight guys on a roster that can hit, that can strike out 30% of the batters. You have, like, two to four guys on each roster that can poke 30 home runs if they really tried. Yeah. Exactly. Like, is, like I will, I'm willing to bet on every team there is at least two to four guys who are capable of doing it, even like the Pirates. Right, right. Like I'm willing to bet there. Like if you took a full season, these two have a chance. Like Colin Moran would would be the number one guy, and Brian Hayes also. Right. Exactly. And with that being said, like pitches are so much harder to hit, so it's just not as realistic nowadays that you're just going to string some hits together. Mm-hmm. Like it's you know if you can get a couple guys on walks are walks are at a relatively high point uh historically speaking as well not necessarily in comparison to recent years but sort of just throughout the history of the game we're going through a big cycle of walks being popular that's sort of that's sort of taking the place of singles now in a way yeah um you know and if and if we uh if like you know if approach changed i don't know how much the batting average gets affected i'm uh you know gonna look at I'm going to look at some of the major league averages of the past. That's what I'm doing. However many years. But yeah, you know, it's 234 at the moment as of this recording. 
Um, I'm trying to think pre-Juice Ball era. Even, you know, 2014. 2014 was a 251 league batting average, and that was a very non-offensive year. So, but yeah, it, like the OPS was around the same, so. Then one other thing I picked up on is um, a lot of people talk about how, like, this is the, the lowest, this is the lowest year of batting average has ever been. If the season ends today, it's the lowest league-wide batting average in the history of baseball since 1871. And there's all these comparisons being thrown around with 1968, the year of the pitcher. Do you want to know what the, slug, the league-wide slugging was in 1968 compared to what it is today? It, it was, uh, had to be, like, 330-something. 340. 340. And now it's 392. Yeah. It is 50 points higher. And, and also there's still runs, five months to play. Yeah, and home runs are being hit at double the rate that they were in, in 1968, or just about double the rate. Close yeah, to and it. I bet if you went over to pitching, ERA looks a lot, a lot different as well. Like, mm-hmm. the league average ERA in uh 1968 was right around three (laughs) yeah i mean there's just there's emphasis on extra base hits now yeah 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 exactly like you know if average is becoming lower you're gonna if if straight up just making contact with the ball is going to be harder it's going to be harder to get hits going to be harder to get on via balls in play like David, so like David Fletcher is looked at as such a special player because he just like sprays the ball all over and he's a primary single hitter. That was just your average guy in the '80s. Exactly. Like David Fletcher was an '80s baseball player pushed into the 2000s, and he's getting praised for playing the game 30 years too late. Yeah, exactly. Like when we talk about Whit Merrifield, we're talking like this guy's old school. Yeah. <laughs> when he's, you know, it, I mean, it makes sense. You know, that's a guy. That's your average guy in the '80s. You know, hitting. 315, swiping 40 bags. That's your average guy. With um, a relatively low slugging in comparison. Or like I should say low ISO. That's what I should say. Yeah. Should we talk about uh, what m- moving the mound back might look like? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I have very mixed feelings about it because I don't think... First of all, I don't think it's going to have a significant difference on like on the actual offensive numbers in the game. Like, I think people are really underestimating how short of a distance one foot is when we're looking at 60 feet, 6 inches in comparison anyway. Yeah. Um, do you know how much they move the mound, they lower the mound after 1968? Um, was it 2 feet? 5 feet. 5 feet? <laughs> yeah. It went from 15 feet high to 10 feet high. They changed the mound by 33%. They took a third of the mound down. That's a drastic change. Mm. And... I mean, I don't think anyone complains about it nowadays. I think people are just scared of change. Yeah. Like, we've always, like, it's natural for humans to be scared of change. One foot distance back on the mound is literally nothing. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, it's been the exact distance since uh, 1893. Yeah. So it's been, uh, this is its 129th year in existence, I believe. Yeah, and guess what? I don't think pitchers were throwing 98 in 1893. Exactly. Um, you know, I, there's been a, you know, a debate on whether it will help or hurt because obviously it, it'll be easier to hit fastballs, but some are making the argument that, um, br- you know, breaking, breaking balls, anything that moves is going to move more, which might make it harder. My, my take on it is sure it might move more, but it's, you're going to have more, a little more time to, uh, identify the pitch that's coming and, you know, be able to time it out. Uh, any any thoughts on on what that could potentially do? Um, I mean, I'd be interested to see. I don't really know in my head what sort of takeaways. Yeah, I would have. But. I mean, my uh, 
my view on the whole thing, I think one foot might give like a boost of offense. Like it might I think be, it might too because the, like, the, the approach is going to stay the same. Yeah, like people are still going to be going for extra base hits and home runs. I, I could see like maybe between ten and twenty point increase in league wide OPS. Which just happens naturally, pretty much. Yeah, it does. Like between twenty, what, like eight, like eighteen and nineteen, even it happened. Yeah. Uh, what I mean, yeah, seven twenty-eight OPS league wide in that 2018, 30 point increase in twenty nineteen. Yeah. And I know twenty nineteen was the peak of the juice balls, but people were talking about it in twenty seventeen too. Twenty seventeen had a seven fifty OPS. Right, and yeah, some something happened in twenty eighteen. I don't know what what it was, but yeah, there was a little drop off. In between those years, and I mean, now we got a 702 compared to a 740 last year. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I thought the uh, yeah, I thought the OPS would increase because I think we started talking about it after like the third weekend of the season ish. Mm-hmm. It was like 18, 18 days into the season where it was like the league average is two thirty three, the league OPS is around seven hundred. I thought the OPS would have increased a little more by now, so maybe this is a, a trend for how the year is going to go. All right, over under seven ten at the end of the year. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over. Okay. I think it'll be uh, seven seven thirteen. Yeah, I would take the over as well. I'd say like seven fifteen. Yeah, but still, you know, uh, a pretty big drop off from mm-hmm. uh, twenty twenty and especially twenty nineteen, and we all know why. Um, but yeah, I guess that wraps up that. Um, that's you know really all the news we had to talk about. Did you about. see the tweet from Zach Campbell where he was like he screened he like took a picture of like the Yankee Stadium like lineup scoreboard where like half the guys in the Yankees lineup were like below the Mendoza line mm-hmm. and he did like the, the alternating capital letters where he's like batting average isn't an important stat. Yeah, it made. I was like, what are you what are you trying to prove here? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I, I that the, the Yankees lineup doesn't change the fact that batting average isn't that important anymore. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't at all. I, I don't know what it is. Because um, guess what, the Yankees have been surging lately. They're 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 a five hundred team, and half the guys in their lineup are below two hundred. So what does that tell you? Yeah, and they have a below league average OPS. So, you know, and they're below five hundred. So, I think it would make sense. Like, it was funny. Like, we, we have a friend uh, where, you know, he 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 was, like, talking about uh, Harmon Killebrew. Oh, oh. And, and he... They have, a, they have an above average. Well, they have a 101 weighted runs created plus as a team, the Yankees. So they're technically above average offensively, and half their lineup is below yeah. the Mendoza line. I think it, I think it takes up... Um, yeah, look at this. They're, they have a 221 average with a 101... Uh, with a one-on-one weighted runs created plus. Yeah, I think park factors might be uh, taking a. It could t- be. A but I, I don't mean, know. I don't know how playing in look Yankee at, Stadium. Look at I mean, Tampa Bay is hitting two twenty-three with a ninety-eight weighted runs created plus. Like they're just about there. But yeah, like I don't. Yeah, I don't really know his point. I mean, uh, you know, if like their OPS is average and they're like an average team, so it kind of matches. So and their their batting average. I hate to use the word so much, but their batting average is looks very bad, but they're still like an average offense, you know, production wise. But yeah, we we were talking about Harmon Killebrew and it, and like his, and you know the guy was talk, you know the guy uh, our our friend was talking about how 
you know, batting average is more useful than OPS. And then he was talking about Harmon Killebrew, and we were like, huh, we, we 257 kept, average? Yeah, well, 256. 256 lifetime average. Yeah. And then he was like, yeah, but, you know, he had a bunch of homers, 573 homers, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna count. Yeah, and then, and yeah, then, you're right. And then I was like, if only there was a stat that could combine the... That could weigh extra base hits into your batting average. That could uh, combine your ability to get on base and your ability to uh, get and get, ba- get, get bases, bases yeah. total bases. And better yet, if only there was a stat that compares that number to like the league averages to see if you're above or below average on that uh, expectancy yeah it's like yeah it's so it's it's so archaic but yeah uh the irony of that was delicious it's just because <laughs> like yeah whenever whenever people mention ne- people never mention average on its own like unless it's it, like tony gwynn yeah which exactly. is like I'll, I'll accept that as an outlier because he was just so ridiculous yeah when you're hitting 338 it's like yeah i can assume you're a good offensive player and even then, like, Tony Gwynn doesn't, you know, he wasn't particularly an extra base guy. Like, he had a low 800s OPS career. Yeah. 840, okay, 847. He was mid. 847, but I mean, yeah. 135 career home runs. 543 doubles. That's huge. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, pe- when people mention average, they carry along home runs and RBI because, you know, a guy batting 300 with seven homers on the year is a lot different than a guy hitting 300 with 35 homers on the year but it's like why let's skip the let's skip all the steps and put in ops yeah you know i saw a really interesting uh question during the offseason where it said um if you had the opportunity would you accept a 333 333 333 hitter in your lineup lineup for a full season yeah uh, well like yeah, i would put the i would put it, them ninth yeah eighth or ninth spot yeah you know that like if, why not? If he's catching, that's you know, I'll take that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Let's say it's like a center fielder. But 300, 300, 300, I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't know about that unless he's in the Pirates lineup. Like, yeah, I mean like you're taking a a guy who gets a single a third of the time. He doesn't walk, he doesn't get extra base hits. Yep. He doesn't reach on error, doesn't get hit by pitch. He just hits singles a third of the time. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's uh we've we've yeah, we've talked about. I think it depends on the show. I'd say it depends on what the rest of your lineup looks like. Like mm-hmm. if you like if you're hitting ninth and you have a really strong top of the lineup that can put that can drive him in. Yeah, sure. But if that if you're looking at that as like the, one of the better hitters in your lineup, it's like eh, I'll pass. Because also you don't want to put that guy first because he has a 300 on base percentage, which is not good. Yeah. Like you. 333. Or uh, oh th- yeah, 330. But still, it's like league average. Yeah. On base percentage, yeah, you wanna. Who is the leadoff hitter for the two thousand two A's? I'm wondering. Miguel, no, definitely not Miguel Tejada. He was he was probably hitting middle of the order. Yeah. Um. Two thousand two. A's. We're gonna, we're gonna look at their lineup from the from the last playoff game. Yeah. Um. So that's where you usually start here. Because you know if they if. We're looking at. I wonder what they're. Ray theory. Durham. Yeah. Ray Durham. Ray Durham noted a uh, 352 career OBP. That makes sense. Pretty that good. Makes a lot of sense. And what was it? 820 career walks. And in 2002, what Walk was? Walk percentage of 9.7. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a 2002 A's guy. In 2002, what was his? Especially as a second baseman too. What was his on base? Uh, 350. But but he only played 54 games with Oakland. He was in midseason acquisition. Oh uh, okay. Throughout the year, it was 374. 
Okay. Yeah. He had a 390 OBP with a 299 average when they got him. Yeah. They, 96 games. They were they were big fans. Yes. Not to mention in Moneyball. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a I mean that's a hero. Yeah. For Billy Bean. Yeah, literally almost a 10% walk rate as a second baseman. That's pretty impressive. That's like he and Rogers Hornsby. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I guess that's that's our that's our tangent based portion of the episode. Yep. Um, now we get into uh, some of our players to highlight for good and bad reasons. I uh, I pro- I provided two for each because I had a bit Ooh. of time. I had a bit of time. Chris was feeling it today. Yeah, I had a bit of time, and you know, I figure, you know, I have I have uh, two. I have you know one for each, and then I have a, a special. Yeah. Thing that I'm doing. Yeah, that Daniel, Chris doesn't know about. Daniel's coming with a, a special, you know, a special award making its debut today, but, but yeah, I figured, you know, we're we're only down to one a week uh, at at the moment, and also, you know, I had a bit of time, and we didn't have much uh, many subjects to go over, so um, I felt, you know, I should I should be providing two, especially in a in a one per week episode, but yeah. We'll start off with our Monday, May third, May third, uh, first episode of May, twenty twenty one edition of. Um. So, who do you have to highlight? So I'm going to be talking about the guy who led the led all position players in F four between April thirteenth and the end of April. It is not Mike Trout. It is not Bryce Harper. It is not Chris Bryant. It is not Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It is Nick Solak. <laughs> this guy was kind of a meme to me at the beginning of the season because ESPN uh, projected him in fantasy baseball to be just above Key Brian Hayes, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? He's been out proving me wrong. From April 13th through the end of the month, he slashed 344, 417, 672 for a 1089 OPS. Uh, he had a 208 weighted runs created plus and 1.1 F4. That was, that led, of course, all position players, qualified or not. And he's already accumulated more barrels in 2021 than he did in 2020. He had 10 barrels this year so far. He had eight last year. And this has happened in exactly 100 less batted ball events. He had 171 wow. batted balls last year. He's got 71 this year. And he's got two more barrels already. So Nick Solak has been very impressive to start this season on a Rangers team that desperately needs it. Yeah, uh, Nick Solak getting a. Yeah, um, surprising a lot of people, including you and I. Uh, my first, how about that? My first, how about that? Uh, you know, actually was one of my players to watch, and he's continuing the trend. Uh, Continuing his trend from his last four starts last year, John Means. We got to talk about John Means. Uh, he's been doing very, very good since September eighth of twenty twenty. Going back to last year, he is fourth among qualified starters in ERA with a one point six three. Uh, this year, his ERA is one point seven zero through thirty seven innings. And the last time, you know, this is you know an Orioles staff that you know had. This is an Orioles pitcher. Orioles pitching, not the best resume. This is the last time, or the uh, the last time an Orioles pitcher had 35 plus innings pitched and an ERA below 1.8 through their first six games before John Means was 1977 
when Jim Palmer did it. What a stat. So it's been, uh, you know, so yeah, shout out, first of all, shout out to Stathead's uh, game span, new game yes, span. Yes, it's so good. It's very good, yeah. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, shout out to the Stathead game span thing. But yeah, it's been a uh, 30, or no, 40, yeah, 44 years. Yeah, 40, yeah, 44 years since, uh, since we've seen this type of pitching to start a season uh, from, an, from a guy wearing an Orioles uniform. Uh, my second how about that is, uh, you know, I've, I've already mentioned a good offensive catcher from the NL Central. Time to do another. Omar Narvaez. Uh, he's hitting 368 with a 972 OPS, and his 12.7% strikeout rate is in the 91st percentile. That's in a good way, not meaning he has more strikeouts, he has less strikeouts than 91% of the league, um, or a, a less than a, a, a better strikeout rate. Uh, he also has an 89.6% zone contact rate. That's like 9 out of 10 times when the uh, ball is being thrown in the zone, making contact with it. And against fastballs particularly, he is hitting 459 and slugging 649. So don't throw this guy a fastball in the zone. And uh, also, his ex-Woba is in the 89th percentile. So this is not really luck. This is him just hitting the ball hard, looking good out there in the Brewers lineup, making an impact. So uh, Omar Narvaez, look out for him being one of the best uh, Brewers offensive contributors out there right now. Uh, so now on to... On from the highs to the lows, where we're talking about players or any subject in particular not doing well. Uh, this is the Monday, May third, twenty twenty one edition of. Slightly alarming. So who do you who's looking slightly alarming from your end? So I'm talking about a guy who was one of the premier power hitters in the league in the recent past, and he ended off on a bad note in twenty twenty, and he sort of picked up where he left off this year. Looking at Eugenio Suarez. He's been really struggling for the Reds. Since September 14th of last year, he's played 37 games. He's slashing 152, 263, 341, 604 uh, with seven home runs in 37 games, which is still a decent 162-game pace, but overall you got to see better numbers than that. He also has a BABIP of 200 uh, over that time, which is the fourth worst out of 140 qualified hitters. Reds. So there's no doubt that he's getting wildly unlucky. But even with that, like you got to expect more out of Eugenio Suarez. Yeah, he has crazy strike. I think he leads the league in strikeouts. Yeah, he does with forty-four. Yeah, um, yeah, he's been uh, not not hitting the ball well uh, as of as of late. Um, I'm also going with an another NL Central theme, uh, and also you know I picked out a player to look for as one of my uh, how about that's for this week. So I'm going with a player to look for as one of my slightly alarmants to balance things out. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, looking looking very alarming. He has... He's going tonight. Yeah, he's going tonight. Um, so, you know, before this start, as he's going tonight, he has a 7.54 ERA, an 8.30 FIP, and four home runs per nine in 22 and two-thirds innings pitch. He also has allowed the most home runs of any pitcher in baseball, and, you know... It makes a lot of sense. His ground ball rate 
is 9.9 percentage points down from his previous career low. Uh, his line drive rate is 6.7 percentage points up from his previous career high, and his fly ball rate is 4.6 percentage points up from his previous career high. So, you know, a lot more guys are lifting the ball against him. It might be a location problem from his end. You know, he's at his best when he's getting ground balls and uh, not getting ground balls as of late. And then he's given up a ton of homers, 10 home runs in, in 22 and two-thirds innings. Not good at all. Uh, and this is That's the risk you take when you're the modern-day Maddox. Yeah. Like, if that control gets away from you, you're going to be giving up eight home runs per nine in one of the most home run-heavy eras in yeah. history. Yeah, you're... You're not going to be, you know, accident. You're not going to be missing location and getting outs or getting swings and misses. Um, if you're a guy like Hendricks, and uh, my other slightly alarming is also a Cub. Uh, I hate to, I hate to hammer the North Side today, but going with another Cub, uh, Ian Happ, looking, uh, looking pretty bad so far. He's currently hitting 148 with a 493 OPS. He has a 33% strikeout rate, and uh, when he makes contact, this is very alarming, has a 60.7% ground ball rate. Uh, before this year, it's never been above 47.1%, and uh, his average launch angle is 0 0.5. Uh, before this year, it's never been below 9, so it's you know about 8.5 below, about 8.5 below the... Uh, rest of the rest of his years uh, before this year but yeah in half uh, I guess for the uh, for the sound clip I should include you know Eugenio Suarez Kyle Hendricks and Ian half all looking so those are uh, our players highlight for good and bad reason but Daniel has a uh, a monthly a monthly award being introduced, so go, take it away. I'm not going to say anything, but uh, you just opened the door for this. Um, I'm going to be presenting a award every month to a player that fits a certain description, uh, who who I appreciate very much. Introducing the Carlos Santana of the Month Award. <laughs> Carlos Santana in 2020 had a slash line of 199, 349, 350, 699 on the year with one of the best walk rates in baseball. So every month I will be highlighting a player who does virtually nothing on offense but is crazy good at walking. <laughs> so with that being said, the Carlos Santana of the Month award winner for the month of April is Ian Happ. <laughs> Chris is slightly alarming. Has done it. He slashed 133, 293, 173, 466, in the month of April with a 16.1% walk rate that was tied for 10th in the majors. Ian Happ is the first recipient of the Carlos Santana of the Month Award. Yeah, I love I love this. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, because, like, he walked a ton, but average and slugging were way down. Yeah, this is great. I'm looking forward to this every month. Um, but, yeah amazing 
Ian Happ made it on both of our radars this week for different reasons. <laughs> I'm guessing you found you found that and came with that came up with that idea looking at like I came up with the idea like at the beginning of the season. Oh, that's yeah, great. Yeah, this has been I was like, all right, at the like first show in May, I'm just gonna look at the April numbers. I'm gonna look at like and I could have done like uh, like Mike Trout, but like he's actually good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I it had to be a guy that was just like pretty I I thought about doing uh who was it? There was someone who had a 101 weighted runs created plus that I was thinking about doing. Uh, I'm trying to remember who that is. Um, throughout the month, oh, I gotta, I gotta switch Fangraphs to qualified. I hate when, I hate when you search for something on Fangraphs and it automatically comes up as people with zero plate appearances rather than if they're qualified or not. I was thinking about doing Robbie Grossman, but uh, I, I landed on Ian Happ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh- Question, is uh, Carlos Santana available for this award, or eligible for this award? Cy Young never won a Cy Young award, so I'm going to say no. Okay, yeah. all right, all right, um, yeah. Unless yeah. unless there's, like, absolutely no other options. Like, if somehow he has, like, a 30% walk rate and no one else has a walk rate above 10. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but... If only... the above replacement, <laughs> the uh, S-war, if the S-war is that different... <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I wonder if, um, when they made that award in the, in the sixties, if they debated like, should it be like the old Haas Bradbourne award? Should it be the old Haas? Should it be the Walter (laughs) Johnson? Yeah. The the Hugh Daly award. Should it be Lefty Grove? I don't know. This Uh, is tough. I think Cy Young was just the easiest. It should be the Christy Mathewson award. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, the Pete Alexander award. I don't know. The Kid Nichols Award. <laughs> yeah, I mean the guy. The guy had a crazy winning percentage. Uh, he was amazing for the Boston Braves. But yeah, Cy Young just. I mean, it's Cy Young like, just rolls off the tongue. It sounds way cooler than all those. And he was also. I mean, he. I mean, he was the. To be fair, they did this in the '60s, and Cy Young was. You know, he's obviously the all-time leader in wins. Right. So they're probably just like, well, I mean, this guy won more games than anybody else. He's the best pitcher we've ever seen. Yeah, they weren't they weren't concerned with uh, lefty Groves. They weren't like, Groves. well, look at his look at his fit though. He's only striking out like three guys <laughs> per nine. I mean, this is. Do we really want this to be the guy that that we're representing now? Yeah. Did they come up with the word sixties? I think it was like sixty one or something like that, or sixty three. I I don't know. It was a uh, yeah. Cy Young had. I mean, Cy Young leads pitcher WAR F WAR at least. I yeah. think I don't know. I think the Tim Keefe award would have been pretty cool too. Yeah, yeah. they weren't they weren't concerned with uh, Lefty Grove's one forty eight career ERA plus. Yeah, no. Necess- not necessarily. Introducing the twenty twenty one early win award winner, <laughs> Jacob Degrom. <laughs> the Pud Galvin award goes the Pud to. Award. Goes <laughs> the Rube Waddell award. <laughs> right, right. Um. But yeah, the Eddie Plank Award, the Warren Spawn Award, the Bob Feller Award. Man, what's what's the what's the silliest it could get? I mean, we I guess Old Hoss Award old is Hoss, the best. The Old Hoss Award, maybe the Kid Nichols Award. I think the Old Hoss Award should go to the lead 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 leader in innings pitch. In innings pitch, yeah. correct? Yeah. Just just so we can show some appreciation for that, because it is kind of a dying thing. Yeah. But also, I feel like I feel like pitchers themselves have less control over their innings pitch nowadays. Yeah, last year the. Winner like, would have been like Lance Lynn with eighty four innings pitched. I can I can see that. You know that makes sense. Lance, give Lance Lynn the old Haas award. Yes, it fits. Yeah, he seems like a guy that would appreciate some old Haas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but 
Uh, we have some intriguing, you know, we have an intriguing week of baseball ahead of us. Um, you know, we have uh, some series to talk about, you know, to preview in the next week. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what what uh, what series intrigued you for the week and weekend uh, in the world of baseball ahead? That is a good question. What am I looking at? You know what? I'm looking at... Looking at Rays Angels. Um, first of all, you got Otani Glass now today. That is okay. Yeah, that is awesome. That's that's some fire flames coming at the batters. Yeah, um, that is that is very cool. I mean, Otani Glass now. These are two teams that have, you know, the Angels were sort of overperforming and now they're back down to earth, 500. The Rays are just under 500. Um, so I'm looking at those two teams today. You got Otani Glass now. That's that is much what must watch TV. Uh, tomorrow you have Shane McClanahan who was throwing 102 in his first start against mm-hmm. Jose Quintana with a who's rocking a 10-13 ERA, and then on Wednesday you have uh, the Rays have announced a starter, but whoever it is is going to be going up against Alex Cobb. So uh, you know this is and then the fourth game it's a four game series. The other one is to be determined versus Andrew Heaney. So I believe they're the Rays are getting everyone in the Angels rotation except for Griffin Canning. Oh, and Dylan Bundy. They're not getting Dylan Bundy because they have a six-man rotation because of Otani. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, For this uh, upcoming, you know, series of series, I guess you would would call it, um, I mean, the baseball world is probably going to be tuned into Yankees-Astros as that is the first time they will be playing um, since, you know, the 2019 ALCS. You know, first of all... And it's going to be at Yankee Stadium, so, like... It's in the you Bronx. Know, you know what that atmosphere is going to look like, even with the small crowd. Yeah, there's going to be you know about ten thousand people, you know, ready to ready to boo all the Astros players from at least 2017. You know, the Bregman out. No, they'll still they'll still boo like Kyle Tucker. I guess that I guess that's true. By, by affiliation, they'll be like they'll be like <laughs> you suck, you cheater. Yeah, <laughs> he's like I was just I was just in AAA, man. Yeah, poor Michael Bramley. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was over in. Cleveland. I was out here losing to them. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I. Also, I wasn't a fan of it either. Yeah. <laughs> I also am a victim of their behavior. Yeah. Um. So that's that's definitely going to be interesting. You know, from the uh, from the you know baseball culture perspective, and you know it's we both we both highlighted uh, AL West versus AL East teams. That's correct. Week. Yeah. And for the weekend. Um. And yeah, Astros Yankees is always some good quality baseball in general. Is. It is. Uh, da, 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 da. What am I looking at? You got the freeway series this weekend, but I won't do the Angels twice. Wow, the, the Padres and Giants are playing each other again. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, In the Bay you know this what? time, finally. I'm looking at a race, a, a series between the top two dogs in the American League Central. White Sox versus Kansas City is this mm-hmm. weekend. Uh, it's obviously hard to, to predict... Um, pitching matchups when they aren't announced at this point. But on Friday in the opener, you got Carlos Rodon going for the White Sox. He's 4-0 with a 0-7-2 ERA. Yep. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, the Royals obviously haven't announced their starters, but it's a three-game series in Kansas City. Uh, the Royals have a one-and-a-half game lead over the White Sox currently. Yeah, uh, for the for the uh, weekend, yeah, I think, I think Dodgers-Angels is going to be intriguing. Like, I wonder what the Dodgers' momentum is or – Dodgers trend is going to be like yeah. heading into that series. The Angels will be in their uh, 
in their home stadium and you know whatever pitching matchups are going to be pretty interesting I would imagine so it'll be a test for the Angels probably tell us where the Angels and the Dodgers are at uh, you know with uh, where they're going at this point in the season so that'll be pretty interesting but yeah I guess that does it for this episode we hope you enjoyed this one Uh, if you want to Follow us on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Kern. And follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show updates. And uh, uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. And we hope to see you next week where we're talking all the same stuff. Hopefully with some more, uh, more topics at hand. This but, is our. This might be our last. Should we make this our last week of one show a week? Um, because I'm done on Tuesday next week. Yeah, we'll we'll yeah. discuss later. Yeah, this will be our. If yeah, as as the week officially starts this week. Yeah. This will be our last uh, last week of of one episode a week, and then we will go back to two episodes a week. So Amazing. we we hope to see you next week where we start doing that. Uh, so yeah, see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.